multi-instrumentalist, composer, arranger, Rusty Mattias, shoots on Transcona. It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore. The slots in the slots in the in the back room. The slots in the slots in the in the back room. The slots in the slots in the in the back room. The slots in the slots in the in the back room. The slots in the slots in the the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast. My name is Ron George Moore. Thank you for tuning in. Hi, how are you? Today's guest is the amazing Rusty Mattias, who was in the band, The Waking Eyes, you heard at the beginning of the show. Uh, the band you just heard just now is my band, Hogwash, with Jeff Sinclair. On the recording is Chris, but our new drummer, uh, Keener, is awesome. Available for shows, 1000 bucks. Uh, the Sluts. Also, uh, go check out Rusty at Moonrise Music Club. Google that. Also, he's uh, the soundscaper of the Hunks Podcast, which is amazing. Edit it. I just wanted to add that I really like Hunk's podcast. I listen to it every week. So go check out Dana, Tim, and Rory, and Matt, and all the funny guests they have. It's hilarious. Hunk's podcast. Edit, edit in. It's called The Hunk's Podcast. Edit, edit out. Edit out. He was in Imaginary Cities with Marty Sarbit. Uh, he, I'll go to YouTube and check out the Klingon Bohemian Rhapsody. He did that. It's amazing. Woo! We are rolling. Nice. Yeah! Hey, 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 h
we're having fun. We are. Rusty Mattias. Hi, Ron. Uh, I'm glad that you live in the same two-block radius you've lived in for the last 20 years. Because I knew exactly great. where to find you. Yeah, it's on my leg. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> never lost. I mean, just look at my leg and this Confusion you Corner. You there before we started recording just now. Oh, I got the spot yeah. that you brought me over to Confusion Corner That's that right. I've known you, about the, the whole Grand time. Tour yeah. of Crap Central. Yeah. yeah, I remember it from... <laughs> Me living here forever as well. <laughs> you mean uh, in Osborne Village, Corner, yeah. Confusion Corner? Yeah, I right see it on. every day. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we got so much to talk about. It's yeah. so insane. It's going to be so crazy. We met a long time ago at Bartalia and have been yeah. very good friends and uh, just haven't seen each other and got to catch up. Time to catch up. Yeah. We're going to catch up. Okay, right on. Catch uh, up. Speaking of catch yeah. up, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. Okay. You are sponsored by Heinz Tomato Ketchup. Well, I'm going to probably say I'm sponsored by a lot of things in, in this episode. Who but, does that uh, besides superstars, right? Uh, well, except I think superstars actually get paid and, uh, <laughs> and actually get asked by companies uh, if they will endorse their Occasionally, product. if they're lucky, for Whereas sure. I, Call companies and say, "Can I have some stuff?" Oh, you're a, a hunter. I'm a sponsors. hunter. Yeah, you're out in the internet, looking well, mailing letters. You emails. know what though? It always it always spawns from a place of sincerity, and it and it's true. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Like Waking Eyes, a band I used to play in a long yeah. time ago in the early Waking 2000s. Eyes. Excellent. Yeah. We're gonna get into that for sure. Uh, and we were on tour in Northern Ontario one time, and the guy we were at a diner one morning. And they were had ketchup and Heinz bottles, and I said, "This isn't Heinz." Uh, did not out loud, or I didn't complain, or anything like that. But yeah. I said to the guys, "You know, I'm pretty sure this is not Heinz." I could tell it's like Hunts or. But it's in a Heinz bottle. Yeah, yeah. It makes, Interesting. Something makes your going restaurant on look diner. classier than it is, if you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but anyway, of and course. so the guys said, "Well, you should, you should uh, contact Heinz, and because I know that you think you love Heinz so much." And so I did, and uh, was I, it, were they kind of joking, like you know, yeah. like, why don't you marry it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I did. I sent I sent Heinz a, a proposal, and they accepted, and they ended up making me about five hundred bottles of uh, Rusty's Choice Heinz ketchup, what? Uh, which was which was just ketchup. Just Heinz ketchup. Just a label. But they put a picture of my face on the label, and they I, they printed them out for um, a Pixies tour like, with imaginaries. Maybe it was imaginary. City. It was imaginary cities when I got them. But I think you were sponsored during the Waking Eyes years too. Yeah, I I courted a relationship, or like a uh, you know, dear Heinz. Well, you know, I, I, I nurtured a relationship so. with them for for a number of years, I think, and through different bands. And when I when the imaginary cities got to uh, open for the Pixies, mm-hmm. that was it was. Did it's they a, it's a, win, a door that opens that maybe something cool can happen and I if you don't ask you don't know exactly. <laughs> and you don't I get said, if I and I says to them I says and here's what, what I said. if I had my own ketchup <laughs> that I could talk about forever <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of your life on and, every podcast you and I it. still do I still have bottles at home wow it's probably bad now but I have stickers, <laughs> and you could take the Dines label off of any bottle and put my sticker on it. For sure. And Absolutely. you would have official Rusty's mm-hmm. Choice. Yeah. That's awesome. Did they send you a certificate or anything official? No. no. It was pretty unofficial. <laughs> and you know what's surprising? When we were on tour there, how few people want to buy a $10 bottle of ketchup from the opening band. It was a, it was a large failure in the merchandise uh, 
It sounds like a winner, man. <laughs> yeah. At least in the long run, that is so great. It, it, as far as having something neat that I that I got to have at one point for sure, <laughs> right. yeah. And you got something super neat now that I just watched. Rusty showed it to me. It dropped today. No, no, I put it up. Uh, you know what happened was I put it up just under three months ago on YouTube, and I was about it was about a week and a half into COVID or something uh, when when COVID um, started to shut down our city in yeah. Winnipeg. And, uh, Mid-March-ish. Mid-March-ish. And we actually had the Park Theater booked for, uh, excuse me, April 26th, I think, mm-hmm. to shoot and recreate uh, the actual Queen Bohemian Rhapsody video. Yeah. Um, did you mention what it is Iconic. yet? Iconic. No, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's on YouTube. Yeah, so I... Re- Klingon re- cover! Yeah, I re-recorded Bohemian Rhapsody, note for note, with the help of a number of people uh, in the language of Klingon from Star Trek. Yeah. And it is the world's most accurate musical rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody, right down to mic placements on drums and all that. Plus, mm-hmm. we added uh, orchestration uh, uh, played by you know members of the symphony and right. Carrie Latimer, Juno Award-winning musician from Winnipeg who just lives a block and a half from me here. Oh, yeah? Uh, okay. Played theremin on it. Um, right. And theremin is like the... Beach Boysy, spooky, Star Trekky sounding thing. Yeah, she, you're just using your hands. Yeah, in yeah. The air. And she uh, she mimics the well. She doesn't mimic. She beautifully plays the uh, the Bohemian theme. The da 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 da. We had the Park Theater booked to recreate the original Bohemian Rhapsody video in full prosthetics and makeup and everything. And then COVID hit, and we would never be, we couldn't go back to the Park Theater to do that because we yeah. couldn't be in the same place as people. You had to be more inventive. Yeah, so we just ended up. Uh, send, I got everyone to send in a YouTube video for, or not a YouTube video, an iPhone video or whatever. Let's go through everyone first. Who, who's all involved in this project? Oh boy, oh boy. There's a uh, long list of talented folks from okay. Winnipeg living in the city. For sure, yeah. Okay, so uh, we have Glenn Radley played drums. Mm-hmm. Uh Felicitas, uh, I think is how you say her name. She played the cello. Uh, Aisha Bell played the violin. Right. Carrie Latimer played the theremin. Uh, I played the guitar, bass, piano, and did the harmonies. Wow. And Ian Cameron did the main vocals, and he's like a musical theater legend. And we had uh, somebody named Meryl came in, and she helped us 
she was a Klingon speaker, is a Klingon speaker, mm-hmm. and she helped us through all the pronunciations. Um, and then when we shot all the videos, and they all sent me in, like, super loving, creative, I could tell people spent lots of time on it. It's a ridiculous idea on the surface. Effort. Like, you, I wish you could have been a fly on all the walls around me when I tried to pitch this to anybody. Yeah. To get any sort of love or attention or enthusiasm or, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Didn't get any of that because you try to tell somebody, I'm going to recreate Bohemian Rhapsody and Klingon. Yeah. That sounds like I'm joking. But somehow... But I wasn't it, joking! Somehow it jumped the shark, in a sense, up. You know, well, I had to do people, it. You know what? I'm, at the point was is I knew I could do it. Yeah. And I wanted the challenge. Okay. And, so you um, just kept, kept, poking, kept poking? No, I didn't. You... I stopped poking and I just started doing. Oh, okay. And so I... I basically, I, I called this friend of mine, Glenn Radley, who plays drums, who's been, uh, he's a young sort of up and coming songwriter and like real rare and ready to go musician in town. And he's got a drum degree, I think. He's also real keen and eager. And uh, I said, uh, you know, okay, I, I want to pull the trigger and I want to do this. Can you learn the Bohemian Rhapsody drums? Yeah. Um, and I actually had to get him to sort of undo a couple fills that were just too perfect. He just learned them great, and then I laid the bass on top of that. And right. Then, and then started layering it, and it started falling together. And once you can show people that it... Here's kind of how exciting it sounds. Exactly, and, yeah, yeah. And it's not just... like Because I already knew what it sounded like in my head, kind of. Mm-hmm. And well, I guess... Everyone did, but it's just like, is it worth doing just from, from hearing it? And you did such a great job. Everyone was on board. Well, thanks. How many views on this sucker? We got... Uh, just past 10,000 before I came over. 10,040. Holy man. Yeah. Holy... <laughs> and for something that was supported by no uh, government uh, funding or um, things like that, uh, only by my way overdrawn visa. I'm, I'm very proud of that. And because it took a lot of effort from a lot of people involved. Well, somebody... And I really appreciate all the artists that, like, they did me favors by, you know, by these are real it, good professionals who did it for, you know, a bottle of wine and a hundred bucks kind of thing. For sure. That's <laughs> yeah, the Winnipeg tradition. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, let's, let's divert to a new place. Sure. And that place is where you're from. Cause I don't know. I assumed you were from somewhere else. You're definitely from Manitoba, I would bet. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, no, well, not quite. I was born in Point Claire, Quebec. <laughs> oh, sh- no, wow. Point uh, Claire. It, which is Montreal. Okay. I was born in Transcona, Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> and then I actually moved to Transcona, Manitoba, oh, really? where I grew up in Transcona. How old were you? Uh, so like six months old when we moved to okay, Winnipeg. Okay, yeah. yeah. My dad moved there for a CN train job. Oh, nice. And then, uh, then moved back. Right. I was just plopped out there, and then we came back. Oh, yeah, my really? family is from Manitoba and Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, so... All school was, like, down in Transcona? Yeah, I, t- I went to high school and t- uh, Transcona Collegiate Institute, graduated valedictorian, no big deal. Fuck off. That's yeah. awesome. You got to speak in front of the whole uh, graduating class and give a speech. Yeah. Does that mean you were, like, uh, what is it, you're elected the school... The school popular guy. <laughs> the school popular guy. <laughs> I think it means... President. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with grades. I yeah. think it means that I sort of represent... To most people, which certainly wouldn't fly nowadays. Okay, know, okay. As, as a white guy, right? Like, I understand how underrepresented every other person is in the world. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, that that doesn't it doesn't feel right. But I think that personally, and you know, conversationally and friendshiply, I, I sort of crossed a lot of 
gothy boundaries and dude boundaries and You're girl right. boundaries. and I was the popular butt of the joke. Probably like you butt were. Butt of the joke. <laughs> I was the jokester. Right, probably fall, like falling you Falling on were. your face, bouncing off the lockers. Yeah. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. I shopped at Value Village and wore plaid pants and funny 70s clothes. And, yeah. And did my best to not quite fit in and fit in right. <laughs> with everyone in a right. friendly way. Yeah, were you yeah. doing like the plays and extracurricular shit, sports? I was doing band, high school band. Band, yeah. Gra- gravitated right to band. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, yeah, trumpet. Trumpet, of course. That's stupid. Yeah, I got the David Hool. David was always first trumpet. <laughs> oh, that's the rival? The high school yeah. band rival? Actually, I think I... <laughs> David. I think I, I contacted him in the last couple of years on Facebook. And and gave him the old like f- old man fist in the sky meme. You couldn't hold it to in say, any "Stupid longer. Dave, you were always <laughs> trumpet one, but look at me now." Whereas your Bohemian Rhapsody and Klingon, yeah, just because you have a family and a house, <laughs> and the bank's overloaded. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool, man. That's uh, cool. Yeah, so would you say your first band was was during your high school years? Like, I don't mean like high school band. Uh, I actually still have my my band shirt. Do you? I was going to say, do you remember Richard? No, we didn't go to school <laughs> no, together. No, we don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I started uh, jamming with a guy, and, and we I remember we came up with the band name Scapegoat. Scapegoat. Which was just me, and I remember I was in Mrs. Ball's math class, which was at the southeast corner of Transcode Collegiate, first floor, and I remember going through the dictionary and just looking for cool-sounding words, and I remember finding Scapegoat. I'm thinking, there's my... Top one. There's, there's my grunge band name, Scapegoat. That's an awesome And then grunge, my parents grunge. took me on a sweet trip to West Edmonton Mall that year, mm-hmm. and I got a custom shirt uh, <laughs> made at a, uh, an embroidery store there, where it was like, you know, you choose an image from a, a book of embroidery images, yeah. <laughs> and then a font. Yeah. And so, it's yeah, like you're tattooing it. And I still have this shirt in my closet just down the street, and it says Scapegoat on it. It's a terrible, like, forest green faded shirt with yeah. blue script that says Scapegoat and a little monkey hanging from a tree on it. You weren't in an official band then, like, until after high school? No, I, I think in high school, nearing the end of high school, I joined a band called Seven. Seven. Yeah, and through them, I joined another band called Plush, which I joined... Are you band hopping? I was band hopping already, and I got, like, I literally took one of those um, a phone number tag things from Long McQuaid, the music store in Winnipeg, like, sort of the main Winnipeg music store. Oh, you yeah. You know, I'm, I'm telling Long you this. We've watched it grow. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the bulletin board, like, band looking for rhythm guitar player, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I am one of those. And when I was, yeah, when I was 16 or so, 15 or 16, mm-hmm. uh, I joined this band, and the next youngest guy I was... 30 in the band. When did you start playing guitar? Because you were doing... Well, like when I was 10 or 11. Oh, okay. Or I thought you were introduced in your in band, like in high school. But you were, you've always, like back when you were 10, you're yeah, playing... I was taking piano lessons pretty young, like five or six or so. Oh, wow. But wow. I mean, I never enjoyed it as a kid. No no kids like that. <laughs> no. But I'm very grateful for it now. <laughs> sure. I hate very it. Very thankful. Now. Yeah. So now I know what I'm doing. When I don't know what I'm doing, it's a task. Right. Now I'm drawn to it. Yeah, so now you're playing rhythm guitar, you said? I was playing, yeah, rhythm guitar in this group, uh, and then somehow through that group, I joined a group called Novelero, which Novelero. Be- became a, um, a big name. 
became a big name in Winnipeg. Sort of. I, I don't know. Like, it's sort of so hard to tell for me nowadays. You know? It is. Because you I and I have been around kids. Winnipeg for 20 years. Novelero is part of our language. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the new generation, you know, they weren't there. <laughs> yeah, you know what I find? I, I play with, or now when I'm, I'm producing a lot of bands now, and there is a lot of, like, it's a younger generation of exciting new musicians coming up. And I love it. I'm really excited to work with them. And uh, I do notice, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's impossible to not acknowledge that I'm much older than them. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't understand all the experience. <laughs> Who's this old, bald, fat guy who right. thinks he can produce my record is basically what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's right. me. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Absolutely. Man, you've hit some, look, one of the coolest heights of anyone I've known. Okay. So that's like, especially you, one of Canada's biggest rock stars at one point, I would say. No. Uh, yeah. Video Sound was uh, one of the kings, I thought. Well, I think that. And that for, I appreciate that, that for that generation, you. you know, I thought like that was Thanks. coming up. All those there bands. was definitely it was sort of early two thousands, and that band Jet came out with their "Are You Gonna Be My Girl," and that was sort of sort of the exact sound we were going for on our record. Oh, and uh, on that one anyway for Video Sound. Yeah, that was or, a big one, that, or, or at song. least that's the sound we were sort of produced into. We were quite young, and we got some big name producers and management involved with us. Right, we're talking about the Waking Eyes. Yes, and. The Waking Eyes, were you working on that because you were, you were with No Valero? Yeah, sorry. And then you started playing with The Waking Eyes too? Or so yeah, how- I was in The Waking Eyes. Then I was touring with Duotang for quite a while, which was No Valero minus the other four people, like Rod Slaughter, the singer for No Valero, yeah. also had a group called Duotang in the 90s, which was just bass and drums, like alternative rock, sort of heavy. But once again, rock. just like No Valero, like Winnipeg Legends of, of, of the Yeah, scene, I was a big scene. fan of them yeah. uh, when I got to play with They were my first live show I ever saw was Duotang. And Where'd I, you they, see them? At the Albert. Oh, nice. And it, I'll never forget it. I remember, I remember feeling like the weight of music hitting my chest, the weight of sound yeah, hitting I felt my that. chest. Yeah. And being like addicted to it right away, like seeing live music like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you know them? No. No, just fan. Right. Boy. And was, would you say that's like you once again, you know, kind of like, well, if you don't ask, when you maybe, you want, maybe they'll want to jam with me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I've sort of always kind of been tenacious that way. Surely I've had ulterior, ulterior motives here and there, but I find that most of the time I just want to get my hands on things because I love them and I want to learn about them. Yeah. And I want to be a part of it and I want to... I don't want and to it's share an the joy. It's an obsession. And I you do get obsessed do with things. Those uh, are the ones that you know that you, you got to focus on. Because as an artist, I'm sure you're just attacked with ideas constantly, you know? And then it's well, like, and like the ones with that stick. the Bohemian Rhapsody thing, I needed something that was like, what is the hardest thing I can do? I need <laughs> wow. to show off. I need to be the best at it. Yeah. And it's not that I need to show off. I need the validation or something as an artist. We all do. Right. And so I'm constantly pushing to do a harder, more extreme thing musically, and that was yeah. sort of this peak for me, yeah. is to do Bohemian Rhapsody and Klingon, and so now, <laughs> and like, I kind of instantly got into aquariums <laughs> as soon as I released that, and we can get into that later. Aquariums? <laughs> yeah, I'm an aquarium specialist now. Oh, okay. Into the Into the Blue Saltwater Ecosystems is building me, like, a, a very expensive custom aquarium, like, into my house. 
like like with framing and an extra pump that goes through my walls and like it's a display tank where there will be like Nemos and crabs and right, shit right, built right. into my house for free for a commercial I made for them for the podcast. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. No money is exchanging hands. That's incredible. And everyone's happy. Yeah. And the, it's sincere. Like I reached out to them to say I love fish. <laughs> Check out this commercial I, I made for ketchup. you. I love fish. Yeah, and I have a studio, and I made you a song about it. And here's your commercial, and and, and uh, Man, I, and steal this I actually really like making commercials now. <laughs> Let's talk about the Waking Eyes a second. Or yeah, how long yeah. were you guys? Yeah, about there? eight years we were together. Eight years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you went through the process of like, hey, let's make music, forming a band, getting signed to a deal, going through that deal, touring uh, North America. We went to Germany a number of times as well. Touring yeah. the world. Yeah. Fuck. You know, and then at some point, it was like it, the three albums is generally the acts of a play, right? Three, three acts. Mm, so it yeah. seems like, how did that, how was that relationship? It certainly had a life cycle. And it's, it's neat, actually. Now, I like that you described it that way. The relationship is fine. We're all friends. Oh, it's, great. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was, there was, it was some, you, Matt. It was me, Matt Peters. Uh, Joey Penner was the bass player eventually. Yeah. Russ Dirksen was our first bass player. Mm-hmm. And Steve Sankey was our drummer. Nice, nice. Um, and yeah, like so our first record was Where We Got a Record Deal. And it was like produced by the guy who did Our Lady Peace and Simple Plan. Call Me in the Clouds. That was our first record. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that was our independent one. Right. That we made... In Matt's parents' basement in Steinbeck. Really? How was it recorded? Four track? Uh, no, it was recorded on like a like a Nintendo sound card, I think. Whoa! On Cakewalk, which was like a like a primitive version of Pro Tools. Yeah, this is two thousand two. It was released. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, dude, yeah, we were still we had no idea what we were doing. And you're recording in Steinbeck? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we would go out there for a weekend, and I remember we'd have a chopping block. Um, in Myron's Taurus, Red Ford Taurus, that, oh man, I still remember that smell. It's the smell of every 20-year-old's pot-soaked, cigarette-soaked, right. empty beer bottle-soaked, McDonald's bag-soaked. Keep the windows rolled down-soaked. Yeah, it was just, it's just that dis- bad breath-smoked, like, <laughs> Whopper's underarm not deodorant like right. all those bad driving, smells the driving so, the hour to get to Steinbeck yeah You'd but what we'd do this. is we'd spend all day recording and then we would take this chopping block and make a mountain of like weed dust we'd chop it into this dust and then we'd take these giant bong rips and then oh, go yeah. go around the gravel roads around Steinbeck's so in the middle of prairie fields yeah. and listen to everything we recorded that day oh yeah really and it was cool. really like we were just learning about on we wanted to be, be yeah. We would we would drive around with a cassette of what we recorded that wow. day, and we wanted to be the Beatles so bad. And we would listen to XTC Apple Venus Volume One was definitely the album we listened to the most when we mm. made that record, which what is was, was which your... is a really obscure record that I would have never known if they hadn't introduced me to it. Right, but it definitely inspired a lot of. That, but you're definitely familiar with the Beatles. You, you of course, know, yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. wanted to be the Beatles, sir, so bad, sir, <laughs> so bad, man. <laughs> Uh, and then we, uh, so then we got flown down to, uh, we actually got flown to China once. We were the Canadian representative for some sort of consulate thing in Hong Kong. For what? Canadian really? musical right. act. Would that have been the second act? Like, where, I mean, the second album? Uh, yeah, this is after we went to LA and met Kim Fowley out of a, outside of a, a showcase we were doing on some, some place there to nobody. 
we I, I was very young and and you know taking everything for granted. We got flown to LA. It was amazing. We were right, walking down right. our walking down the street with our our uh, like our mod suits. We wanted to be the Beatles so bad, <laughs> and uh, our, our guitars in hand, going back to our uh, ho- our motel that we were all sharing mm-hmm. up the street. And were you playing a gig? Yeah, we played a showcase to nobody at some bar, some random bar. I kind of remember the bar and the shape of it, but I can see uh, Hollywood just renting it out for their execs. Check that's kind know? of yeah. It's a like uh, showcases like that happen in New York and LA all day long, every day or every mm-hmm. evening. It feels like I've done a bunch of them in New York too, and they are sort of sad. They're really impersonal and very transactional. Right, you sort of just. Your slot is here, and whoever is invited there to see you see, and then they leave. It's not a, it's not a show. It's a showcase. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, the same feeling. Anyway, we're walking back to our motel, and this scary-looking old man walks up to us and says, "Are you a guy's a band? Uh, and do you have a CD?" And we said, "Yeah." And mm-hmm. said, "I will call you tomorrow and tell you if you're any good." <laughs> and we're like, "What?" <laughs> and sure enough, he <laughs> figured. I don't know what happened. He called us at our motel, and yeah. he's Kim Fally. He produced Joan Jett and the Runaways, and he like, he's famous for a number of things: throwing a garbage can at Joan Jett or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he invited us out to his his house in the middle of the desert, on the edge of the desert, outside of LA. Doesn't sound sketchy at all. Yeah, it totally <laughs> sounds so sketchy. And we totally went out there and spent all day at his house, where he put us through this weird. Like boot camp of songwriting and what it's going to be like when we're famous. And he would right. call the LAKR whatever radio station and right. tell him that he had the next Beatles sitting in his living room. And we were 20-year-old nervous wrecks who had fake confidence, but nothing to back it up with. Right. <laughs> and you're putting 100% trust into this random dude. He ended up connecting us with... Um, uh, who uh, a team who became our management, and they were the management of Our Lady Peace, Simple Plan, Finger Eleven, a, a, like a, a team of Canadian uh, successful bands. Yeah, that for we sure. We were sort of put into that whole. And was that a lot of video sound? Yeah, like, okay. and that's sort of that machine that spit out video sound. Right, and you can tell it was definitely you're living the rock star life, like you know hotels and touring, or at least you know meeting Hollywood bigwigs and music execs. You know, and I had great experiences. It's certainly glamorized a lot more than what it's really like. Yeah, um, right. You know, I'm sure. I know that they used the fact that we, quote unquote, opened for the Who for a long time. But we, we played, like, at 11 in the morning on stage, like, pee. Right, right, right. <laughs> to nobody. And The Who headlined the entire festival, so... I see, yeah, We yeah. were not at all associated still with Still counts, still counts. <laughs> yeah. And then after uh, the last album, which I said it was, uh, yeah, holding on to whatever it is, mm-hmm. okay? How long after that was released were you guys still playing gigs? You know what? Even as we were finishing up that record, I think we kind of 2008. knew. 2008. We kind of knew that we were wrapping it up a bit. We went and did a three-month residency in Toronto. You took up a residency? So yeah. So you were, in a sense, writing your fourth album? No, it just meant we were like, they they put us in the thick of the industry. So they put us in Toronto. Yeah. So we weren't in Winnipeg. Right. So we were okay. available at all times exactly. to do... Hop on a plane. Hop on a tour, hop on a plane, yeah. do a show. Vices are prone to burn, holes in my pockets, and the drying of my well. But every so often there's a forgotten cost and a ringing on my bed. And when I decided to make like I died, they got 
yeah, so shortly after that is when I started playing with the... Or actually sort of crisscrossed with that. I started playing with the Weaker Thens, mm-hmm. which uh, another Winnipeg band. Which, yeah, uh, you've Weaker Thens. Oh, of yeah. course. That's like another like name that you can... Like, is associated with Winnipeg, mm-hmm. you know? Their big hit is I Hate Winnipeg, right? Yeah, or it should be called that, I think. <laughs> oh no! What, what's it called? One great city. One great city. Yeah, yeah. That's because John's a poet. <laughs> Doesn't put the catchy part in the title. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love it. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah. So right around that time, the Weaker Than sort of offered me a, a, a pretty large scale tour. Right when the right when the Waking Eyes sort of had nothing going on, right. and it was not. It was neither tons of fun nor lucrative. Mm-hmm. And we were tired. Is it just because like they couldn't replicate the album in a live setting and they needed more musicians? Who, the weaker then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, not because they couldn't, but because they had they had, had an accessory member uh, prior to me, too, Jim Bryson, who, oh, okay. uh, who went on to play with Kathleen Edwards, which is why they need to replace him. Right, and right. That's, that's okay. what I ended up doing was just filling out. I would double John's vocals on the chorus to thick him out a bit, harmonies mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. there. Piano parts, trumpet parts. I yeah. can also play a number of instruments, so I can yeah. fill out a number of different things here, mm-hmm. here and there. Yeah, they got the right guy. And it was so <laughs> fun because I was a big fan, and I, I remember like it. It was nerve wracking because the tour is what became their DVD, right? And it was us and the Constantines on tour across Canada, and I was learning the songs as as the tour started. I remember the first night in in St. John's, Newfoundland. I was so stressed out and just desperately trying. I wish I, I wish they asked me to do it now. Yeah. Because now I'd learn them so easy. But I was so stressed out then, and I wasn't learning them that easy. <laughs> right, right, yeah. You're like, I imagine the audiences are massive, and so you have yeah, all these eyes like, looking at you. It was an awesome sold-out crowd, and everyone really loves the weaker that's and mm-hmm. so do I, and I want to do a good job. Right. <laughs> and it was an amazing experience. And did that go on, uh, never played on their albums, just the... No, I did. I I had played on an album previous to that, too. I played some trumpet on a few of their albums. And then, well, no, I play on their Live at the Burton Cummings Theatre album, which came Oh, right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I did a number of tours with them uh, across in Germany as well. And we went to Australia as well. Mm -hmm. And then while I was on tour with them, I showed Steve Carroll, their manager and guitar player, uh, the Imaginary Cities demos I was working on. And he took on Imaginary Cities as management. How did the demo come together? How did you know Marty? Marty Uh, From doing sound at the Cavern. And uh, Marty played in a band called The Solutions that did Motown covers. Okay. And I wrote a Motown song for her to sing on just because I wanted to. Uh, and then, uh, so I wrote that song for her and it was just fun. And so we started working on more songs together mm-hmm. and Steve heard them. And then we ended up getting some placements in some TV shows and we had a, like a, a pretty lucky single that, that got a lot of radio play. What was uh, the name of it? A hummingbird. <laughs>
I already know all the songs we ripped off for that because <laughs> everyone lets me know. Uh, I'll tell you exactly what I ripped off. Mother Nature, everybody. Yeah, You might yeah. recognize... Was that an owl? Oh, it's a sparrow. <laughs> okay. You might recognize those notes as, and tell me that you'll break away. Say that it's... Mm-hmm. Yes, I stole it from a bird, so nice. fuck you. I didn't steal it <laughs> from the... Fuck you, critics. The Weeds soundtrack or whatever it was. <laughs> the... Na, 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 come on, come on. Mm-hmm. It, it does sound exactly the same. And you guys, sounded, <laughs> you guys sounded amazing. You guys compliment each other so well in your music. And, and, well, and Marty's lyrics? She was writing the lyrics? We, we were writing as a team. So okay. most of, I would say most of the lyrics were, were her duties or like she was bringing a lot of the messaging to, to, the, to the table and I was bringing a lot of like yeah. the music, uh, music side. Of did, it have, did it have the same feel of being in the business the same way the Waking Eyes did? Because you, you, didn't, you didn't you guys play Lollapalooza or am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I did with Imaginary Cities. Like, to me, that screams uh, rock star again. You know, like, you're with the big wigs, you're doing oh, music festivals. you know what, that was, that was awesome. Doing Lollapalooza was so cool to get to go back to... To uh, Chicago, right? Yeah, it was in Chicago, so right by that bean. It's definitely one of the most intriguing cities I've seen and yeah. kind of had the chance to dip my toes into. I remember when I was 18, I won... I won a trip through 92 City FM at Wise Guys in uh, the exchange yeah. here uh, to go to Somersault or the Our Lady Peace. What was the Our Lady Peace Festival? I think that's what it was, Somersault. It was something like that. But anyway, we won a trip to Toronto. So I took my brother, and my brother and I went to Toronto, and I got to go backstage, and I like... I saw the Tea Party guys walking over there. And, Your friends oh my God, there's wow. Our Lady Peace guys yeah. there. I just couldn't believe what kind of life these people must live. And let me tell you, it's fucking shitty most of the time. Right, right, right. <laughs> but but it's, it's also while, amazing. You're in the moment. Yeah, it's full of incredible experiences. I mean, I did cocaine with the singer of The Darkness. <laughs> oh, my God. And his God. coke tender. <laughs> like, I'm not shitting you. That's a full story. He no longer does drugs and or drinks. Really? And neither do Have I. Have you kept in touch? No, with the no. Singer of he the probably has no idea who I am and no recollection of it. Was there a lot of coke floating around in Lollapalooza? No, though, though that was I, I did drugs early, earlier in my rock days. I wanted to experiment a lot with doing right. drugs, and and I did. I did. I did cocaine and all that shit, and I don't anymore because right. it's dangerous and gross. Um, but uh, no, at Lollapalooza, uh, Lollapalooza. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it was great because. Uh, they have like a little hut for each group and it's a total VIP goddamn hut with air conditioning and like couches and yeah. free sunglasses for everyone like $300 sunglasses oh for everyone God, yeah. a $300 gift certificate for a steak restaurant down the street from where it was right right and so well the other the rest of the band went like to bed or whatever or they wanted to go see some of the... Because we played earlier in the day. Because mm-hmm. we aren't big rock stars. Um, and I just went and... I went and I ordered the most expensive steak on that restaurant's menu. Right. And the most expensive bottle of wine. And ate it all to myself. And then I ordered another steak and fries to go. <laughs> from this, like... It was like the 529 of, of Chicago. It was yeah. amazing. Wow. I, the point is, is, I think I got really good at... Um, 
when people reach out and want to give you something, embrace it and and take them up on it and say yes and 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 man, it's taken me to a lot of cool places and and sure. uh, and gotten me a lot of cool things. Yeah, not gotten me a lot of cool things. It got me a lot of cool experience and uh, and made me a lot of friends. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. But you guys broke up as a band. Uh, what? Three or four years ago? Probably mm, longer. 2014, 2015 maybe? Mm-hmm. And that's when I started touring with the Sheepdogs. And, uh, right. Now, how did that relationship start? Because did you know them when they were on the Rolling Stone? They, no. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. They, they would, they used from... to come to Win It Waking Eye shows. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So they're from Saskatoon. Right. And the tour of the Waking Eyes when our Winnebago burned to the ground on the highway, what? which is just right outside of Medicine Hat. Um, these are three separate events in one trip. Oh, God. In one evening. Uh, mm-hmm. we, ran, we left Winnipeg, got pulled over for a taillight thingy, but Just got arrested for having weed in the Winnebago. Amazing. Because the officer said, is there any weed in here? And I said, no. And he said, is there any weed in here? And I said, yes, it's behind the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. <laughs> and then we ran out of gas in the middle of the night just by Moose Jaw. Uh, and then as we were pulling into Swift Current, something in the engine blew up. And yeah. like a sharp blue flame started coming through the floor. Oh my god! And we pulled into like an abandoned way station, and it burned to the ground. Like two hundred foot flames in the air. Right. And we, were, we were supposed to go to this. We were the first of three shows with Sam Roberts, and we obviously missed the first one. Mm-hmm. But we threw our trailer, which was unscathed, into the back of a U-Haul, like cube <laughs> right. van. Yeah. <laughs> like lifted it into the back of a cube van and finished the tour, all four of us, wow. across this U-Haul bench seat, <laughs> it was driving kind of across Canada with gear in the back. It was wow. brutal. Wow. Anyway, the Sheepdogs were at that show in Saskatoon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, what were they doing there? They just wanted to check you yeah, out? They were there to see Sam Roberts, and, and right. we opened. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up coming and playing some shows in Winnipeg, and that's how we became friends. And then they're a great band, so they started to get some uh, traction, and they entered this contest to be the first unsigned band on the cover of the Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. and they won. Right. Uh, and it was a long process, too. Like, they had to go on, like, Jimmy Fallon, and... Yeah, had, I remember them making the rounds and being in the was, media. It was pretty crazy to watch. I mean, I wasn't there with them for that. Um, right. And then a few years later... Um, they asked me to join as their guitar player, yeah. like replacing their previous guitar player. Right. That couple of years took a lot out of me. Uh, what, I d- touring? Yeah, because I, what I, I realized afterwards, what I was really enjoying out of that was their success. Mm-hmm. On, If I'm being honest, I was enjoying drinking and partying on stage and 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 being loved by thousands of people every night. I, like, I mean, we're playing for fucking 10,000 people a night sometimes. It's amazing. Right, It feels right. amazing. right. But uh, it was really shallow for me. Yeah, uh, because nice none of that point. music was mine, and uh, uh, not that it has to be, but it, it, I was a square peg in a round hole a little bit. Right. And I wasn't supposed to be there, I don't think. And I and I dove into my alcoholism really deep to the point where I was waking up in the morning and and half filling a water bottle with vodka. Uh, wow. Because it looks like man, water. Really? Yeah. To yeah. get in the fucking Can't van. Can't smell it on the breath. 
Well, yeah, sure you can. <laughs> you drink but, enough. But uh, to get in the van and like take sips of that to just fucking get the shakes away and just make it to the next city. Wow. Because I was so unhappy and I was so homesick and I was so depressed and I was so broke. Right. You know, maybe as much as it sounds like there's like resentful tones to the things I'm saying, these are just facts and truths. I've got nothing against these guys and the oh, business sure. they ran. Mm-hmm. Um they're they were up against you know a whole team of people trying to get the cheapest guitar player they could do. So <laughs> of course they wanted to pay me as. I mean, I mean, it was a position that any hundred of people would have lined up to play to. Right. right? And I was I was bringing them down with my alcoholism. So. I see. And, I, and I actually left after a show in, in Memphis. After one night, I I told the tour manager beforehand, I'm going to be walking out of here after the show and going to the airport. Wow. wow. <laughs> and he tried to talk me out of it, and he didn't do a good job. No. And, and here I am. Yeah, and that was just what I'm what very glad I did. It had to happen. But, yeah. but then you went three more years, because you quit drinking 2018. Yes. Were those three years still dealing with shakes? I would have quit them in 2016, and then there was two more years of drinking, I would say. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, May 7th, 2018 was my last drink. What, why was it that date? Uh, like, uh, okay, well, I mean, there's a lot that led up to it, but that's the day I went into detox. That's the day I... Oh, okay. I submitted and white flagged and said, okay, take me to detox. Mm-hmm. Take my phone, take my wallet. Was there an intervention? Uh, there was, there was more than one intervention. I see. I, I, I spent, uh, more than one visit in the hospital overnight. Oh, And boy. I spent a lot of time at the crisis center. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like a lot of emotional and physical um, trauma that I was going through through alcoholism. I'm sure, um, yeah. Because it really is like it's so much the cause of and the solution to all of life's problems, like Homer <laughs> Simpson says. And it's so great, and it's so sweet, and I love it so much. And it, uh, but it takes a cost out of you. Like it's it's uh, synthetic joy you're providing yourself. You're just right. You're, Drinking in synthetic joy, you're drinking in a palatable, palatable poison and that we've drinking, made potable, right? Just and, enough to not kill us and just fuck us up a little and bit. And feel better, like you can, you know, feel normal in a sense of not. Well, having especially to shake. if you're withdrawing, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so it comes at such a cost to not only you physically and emotionally that every time you drink, you need a little bit more. And a little bit more. And mm-hmm. then the cost is a little bit more. And a little bit more. Yeah. To the point the where the snake swallows its own tail and you yeah. need it in the morning. And and then you need it to just feel normal. Yeah. How long did you have to uh, stay in rehab? Uh, okay, so what happened was it was in December of 2017. I woke up one morning with blood coming out of my mouth and my ass in bed. Oh, God. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I was shitting oh blood God. and I was puking blood. My liver had turned away blood. And it was being redirected. It broke vessels Holy into my stomach. Shit. Which is why I had to be rushed to the hospital. And yeah. then I woke up like days later in the hospital mm-hmm. after like full transfusions and like, um, and then I took three months off drinking because I had to, to get my you, license back. He had back. to. He had no choice, right? Physically. Well, uh, well, no. I mean, they don't really have to, they don't, can't tell you to do anything. Right. And I wasn't ready. Unfortunately, because three months later, I was like, I should reward myself for making it this three months to get my license back. Yeah. And next thing I knew, it was three months later, and I had just like a hundred empty rum bottles under my kitchen sink, and I didn't know which way it was up and which way it was down. Wow. I had a, I had a three-day psychosis episode where I... 
hallucinated? Were you hallucinating? Oh yeah, I was hallucinating and I was passing out and I was having um, like uh, brain seizures where it was like um, uh, it was like a three day seizure. Really, it was kind of it was like a stroke slash seizure where it was losing balance like uh, instantly. I'd be standing up and then just fall to the ground like a sack of potatoes. Right, pain would wake me up. (laughs) And you're by yourself. Yeah, Holy and so I'd wake up black and blue all the time. My wife would come home and find me laying on on top of a broken mirror. Oh my god! Covered in blood. Yeah, it was a really dark time. And then I went into detox for ten days. Yeah, and uh, it changed my life absolutely. And uh, I have ne- I've had more energy and drive and enthusiasm and joy in my life in the last two years than I've had all the way leading up to that. It took a while to get out of that cloud, for mm-hmm. sure. I would like to talk about uh, Moonrise Music Club. Moonrise Music Club! Okay, because now, Moonrise Music Club stems from Paintbox? Uh, so that's our facility. That's the studio we work out of, and it's awesome. We have a Hammond organ with a Leslie speaker, grand piano, upright yeah. piano, Fender Up-to-date Rhodes technology piano. for recording. Uh, yeah, like Pro Tools and all that, but like really great mics of all kinds, really expensive ones worth money. Uh, and so yeah, now we've like kind of worked into podcasts and now we have Sierra Noble actually is, uh, coming in as a member, uh, to be a sort of a house engineer with us as well. Right on. Music studio, recording studios are scary and there's sort of this... It's like going to a mechanics shop where it's like, if you don't know anything about it, you're nervous to say anything because yeah. it'll get made fun of, or why don't you know that that's a really expensive keyboard and all that. We try to strip all of that out of the experience and make it so that any level of musician of any kind, of any instrument or songwriting prowess or age or skin color, or sex, or genre, or whatever, is welcome there. Because literally all we're doing is manipulating sounds to go under the message you want to say. Right, right, And if we can all do it together and have fun, we're all going to be great friends at the end of this. Yeah, exactly. And if we can find what you love about your music and draw it out and exaggerate it, then everyone wins. So uh, Sierra Noble is going to be a partner? Sierra Noble is, uh, yeah, she's a local... Uh, fiddle player, musician, producer. Yeah. And we recently, she's amazing. And we, her new single is a song we wrote together uh, called Let Me Out of Here. Mm-hmm. Um, which you can see online right now. There's a video we performed right when COVID hit at, on top of the art gallery in Winnipeg. I get all dressed up with nowhere at all to go. acoustic version of this uh, fully produced song that's coming out. It's her f- next single. It ties into the alcoholism stuff because um, on one of the days I was passing out on my kitchen floor, I'd fallen and was just laying on my kitchen floor beside this heater. And the heater had like a spinning light in it that mimicked a flame. 
Uh-huh. And uh, uh, so, but the f- light was burned out, but it squeaked. Right. And I thought to myself, I can use this in a song. <laughs> I should record this even while I'm dying here. I right. should record it and make a voice note. And so I did. And I did, and it's this song. And I, and the, Wow, you can the, hear the squeak in the, the song. The song starts with the squeak, and the squeak actually dictated the movement of the melody. So oh, I, man, I wrote the I chords around the notes of the squeak. Wow. And then, uh, and it's it's a really moving song because it's, I mean, it's got a lot to do with trying to break out of alcoholism and what it feels like and what that loneliness feels like when you know yeah. how how bad of a place you're in. For and sure. And you know that everyone For knows sure. and nobody can say anything. It's a weird spot. Right, right. I think we can do the money shot if you're ready. Yeah! The money <laughs> shot! <laughs> The Manto Money Shot, I'm going to give you 100 questions. It's going to be rapid fire. We have to work together. We, ha- we have to work as a team because the idea is we have to finish 100 questions in five minutes. Okay? These questions are relatively easy. I can answer them. Hopefully, they're so easy you'd be able to answer them too. Uh, meaning that it could be this or that. It could be what's your favorite this. Mm-hmm. Uh, name a Winnipeg something. Mm-hmm. You know, basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- it's the time that no one's done it. I've, there's been about 36, 37 guests, and we have not, I think, 90. Seven's the closest we got. Ooh, that's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. And so, can you skip and go back? You can, uh, but you prefer okay, not to. This is a good question. You could, you could skip. I gotta make a note. It's so bare bones here. <laughs> you should see like, this place, guys. It is not bare bones. It's, it's, this is a castle. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll make a note and you can pass. But like I said, no one's gonna uh, pass. The, I don't uh, want to. I've been waiting for this all day. Today's money shot for Rusty Mattius is. You can win nineteen dollars and thirty cents. All right, Queen Bentley, hail Satan, hail Satan! I won. What's your name? Rusty. Where do you live? Winnipeg. Where do you sleep? Bed. Do you wear pajamas? Yes. Do you wear slippers? Yes. Name a brand of shoe. Nike. Name a serial cartoon character. Dracula. Count Dracula. Name a composer. Bach. Favorite dance move. Kick. How many weddings have you attended? Two. Do you like Diet Coke? No. Name an animal in Manitoba. Deer. Luke or Leia? Leia. Mustache or beard? Beard. Checkers or chess? Chess. Name a comedian. Louis C.K. Name a musical duo. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Have you seen Citizen Kane? No. Name a Chaplin movie. Uh, uh, pass. Name a type of tree. Elm. Uh, have you ever shot a gun? No. Have you ever shot an arrow? No. Favorite smell? Uh, lavender. Do you own paint? Yes. <laughs> Have you hitchhiked? Yes. Uh, what what lies in water? What li- what lives in water? Uh, turtles. Last board game played? Mm, checkers. Do you play tennis? Mm, yes. Have you ever bought a tennis racket? Yes. Did you know that tennis rackets at Canadian Tire are $50? Yes. Laverne or Shirley? Laverne. Wrestling or boxing? Wrestling. Last gift you received? Uh, t-shirt. Name a Disney film? Uh, Aladdin. Name a Beastie Boy? Uh, I can't. Oh. No, Mike something or other. Oh, you all close. Close enough. What would you put in a sandwich? Uh, bread. Name I a, mean, uh, bologna. <laughs> Name a Sonic Youth album. Uh, I can't. Can you make French toast? Mm, yes. Uh, favorite grade in school? Eight. Name a camp. Uh, David. What color are your eyes? Brown. How many eyes in team? Zero. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, Simpsons. Name a prime minister? Trudeau. Best live event? Music. Uh, Sunday afternoon activity? Music. Name a Madonna film? Uh, like a virgin. Nice. Uh, no, that's not a film. Name a member of uh, Jackass. 
Uh, Jack Schlack. No, uh, Steve-O. Okay. Last movie you watched. Uh, Trivium. Name a movie you hated. Uh, hated absolute garbage. Oh, fuck you. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Whoa! Have you, uh, ever received the speeding ticket? Say that again? Have you ever received... Yes. A, can you speak a second language? No. Mac or PC? Mac. Have you jumped off a cliff? Yes. Have you jumped out of an airplane? No. Name a land, a Lord of the Rings character. Uh, Frodo. Name a Clint Eastwood film. Uh, Gran Turismo. Have you ever been to a drive-in movie near Morden? No. Have you ever been to the old drive-in movie theater in Shamrock? No. Uh, name a song from the movie Grease. Uh, Summer loving and it happens so fast. Uh, have you seen Hamilton? No. Best pizza in Winnipeg. Uh, little Pizza Heaven. Little uh, best sushi in Winnipeg. Uh, Wako, Wakoya sushi. Uh, name a business at the Forks. Mm, in at the Forks. Uh, name something square shaped. Uh, Rubik's cube. Favorite flavor of gum. Uh, bubble gum. Where do you buy ice cream? Uh, Safeway. Are you a gardener? No. First album purchased. Uh, Weezer Blue album. Best Beatles album. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Red Best of. Uh, have you ever been on a horse? Yes. Have you ever bet on a horse? No. Have you milked a cow? No. Favorite vacation destination? Disney World. Butter. Salted or unsalted? Salted. Oh my god, we're gonna do it! Uh, name a cool car. Uh, the Camaro. Have you ever heard of uh, Fiona Apple's new album? Have you heard it? No. Name a bird? Uh, Sparrow. Can you build a fire? Yes. Favorite book? Uh, Ender's Game. Name a weekend update host? Uh, John Stewart. Gen- Gen- Jenny's-, Jenny's Cake? Jenny's Cake. Yay or nay? Yay. Genie's Cake, sorry. Favorite uh, uh, instrument to play? Trumpet. Best metal band? Uh, Pantera. Do you like anchovies? Yes. Do you like livers? Yes. Livers. Do you like olives? I don't know. Do you like squid? Yeah. Do you like pickles? No. Robin's Donuts or stupid Tim Hortons? Robin's Donuts. Yeah! Do you have your baby teeth? No. In a jar, I meant. Yes. Current (laughs) brand of toothpaste? Crest. Name a card game? Uh, Fish. Name a game show? Uh, Family Feud. Cup or mug? Mug. A corn on or off the cob? Off. Name something in this room. Uh, clock. Name something not in this room. Uh, the apartment across the street. Uh, say a three-letter word. The. Oh, good. Did you just win the Manitoba Money Shot podcast? Uh, except if I need to get a couple more. I think we won. Hit the oh. celebration oh. music. Oh, oh Lordy. Oh, <laughs> we have to get 90% right, but I think we got it. I think you got it. I, I couldn't think of anything except for maybe three or four that you couldn't answer, but everything else was on point. You did it. Nice. We did it. <laughs> yes. Very you know what? I have, to, I have to take one thing back, though. I jumped the gun on pickles. I said I didn't like them, and I do. I love pickles. <laughs> I'm glad you're honest about it. I don't think that changes anything. Oh my God, you won nineteen dollars and thirty cents. No way! Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, Ron. It's so good to be here. Yeah. And I love you. Continue. I love you too, and you know, much continued success. You too. With thanks, everything pal. You do. Right on. Later. Later. Grand champ. You're, I'll have to make you a belt. <laughs>
a lot of you guys, but I want to be in this here's club, see? So what do you say? Hey, well, boss, there's know. somebody at the I door. Don't I don't know if this is a good idea. I don't think we should. I say we should. Well, Johnny, we've talked about it, and we've decided that you can join our club if you just remember. Dying. 